You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Amen. Amen. Stay standing as we express that now to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a great and awesome God that you are. Oh, Lord, I pray today that you would give us all a deep longing to know you more. Lord, we're desperate to know the love of a father that can, the only love that can satisfy our souls. God, I pray today as we open up your word, would your Holy Spirit speak, Lord? Would you move our hearts with the true reality that you are God who loves us and has given us everything we need in this life to live it for your glory? Oh, God, would you allow no one to be left behind in this room? Those coming in here that don't know you, God, would you, by your grace, your mercy, tear down any barriers that are there between them and yourself? May they not just know in their heads, but in their hearts today the love of their Father for those, Lord, that are struggling today. And they come in here and they're just struggling. They know it, but they struggle to feel it. They can't, can't sense where you are right now. God, would you break down that, those lies of the enemy that you're not there? And God, would you help them see that you are, in fact, a real and present in their lives with an eternal love? And God, for those that are living and walking in your love to the best of their ability, Father, I pray you just blow wide open the floodgates in their minds and their hearts of the true reality of your love today. Grow them deep, Lord. Grow them strong in the love of their Father. Lord, what we all need more than anything else in this world is just we simply need to know you and be found in you and to find ourselves in a place where we just trust in the love of our God and experience the love of our Father. So God, as we open up the word, we recognize we can't accomplish any of that. On our own, we desperately need you, oh God, to do it. So do it, oh Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat uh, this morning. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, you can get there now. If you don't have your Bibles, put your hand up. One of our ushers will be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. Romans chapter 8. And so we're finishing off our God's Extravagant Love series today. Before we get into it, i got to tell you this. You're loved. You're loved today by God. God loves you with a life-defining, death-defying, eternal love. Let that sink into your hearts this morning. You're loved. Life-defining death, life-defining, death-defying love. This is how your God loves you. With the type of love that your soul longs for. The type of love that you're created to find only in God. God loves you. I get it. It's sort of hard to comprehend the love of God, isn't it? I think the easiest time to comprehend the love of God is on, in those seasons where everything is going like smashingly well. You know, your relationship with God, you open up the word and God just seems to speak to you and your character's being changed. And man, God's doing stuff through your life in those seasons where your marriage is going so well, you think you should write a book. And your family is firing on all cylinders. You think, man, everyone should look at my family because we're just firing on all cylinders right now. And, and even at work, your boss is giving you all the, all the kudos you need and everything you're good you're doing, he's noticing. And, and if you are the boss, business is booming and you can't, where's all the work coming from? It's easy in those times, isn't it, to understand, well, of course, like, I, just, I just know what I see it. I feel, God loves me. Isn't that the easiest time to know the love of God? But you know the hardest time to understand the love of God? When all those things aren't true. 
They don't seem to be, doesn't seem to be working out the way you think it should. And, and your relationship with God, you open up the Bible and it's like, I don't, I don't feel God. I don't see God. I don't even seem to get a message from God in my character. It doesn't seem to be going this way. It seems to be going this way. And is God really doing anything in me? I'm trying hard, but it's not really, seems to be going anywhere in your, your marriage. Like, like, forget about writing a book. I need all the books I can get to try and figure this thing out. And your family life seems to be like the, the roller coaster that you never wanted to get on. <laughs> this seems to be my family life. And like, where's God? And does God still love me? And then you go to work and your boss is dogging you all the time. And it doesn't seem like he notices you're trying to do good. And maybe you're the boss and your margins aren't going this way. They're getting this way. And you start wondering, like, does God love me? Ever been there? You tracking with me? Where's God? I, I know He loves me. I just don't feel it. I don't see it. And yet, guess what? No matter what season you're in today, the truth doesn't change. The truth never changes. This is the concrete truth. The rock that we build our lives on as believers is this, that God loves me with an eternal love and nothing or no one can change that. And God loves me in a way that in the good times and the bad times, He is providing for me all things that I need in all circumstances that I might live my life for His glory. This is a true reality of God's love. God's love is not a superficial love that when things are going good, it's there. When things are going bad, it's not. God loves me all the time with an all-providing love. Let me read for you as we conclude this series. Romans chapter 8, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible that people come to and they want to understand God's love. Even the little subtitle in your Bible is this, God's everlasting love. See that? Let me read it for you. And as I do ask that God would help you not just know this, but truly grasp this and then live this for his glory. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, or some versions say, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God's people can't help but say... I almost feel like I could just sit down right now and let the Word of God do its work. That's an awesome, powerful passage. But what I want to focus on today is just one verse. Yep, one verse, one sermon, one verse that I think we so often miss in this passage. And I think if we look ahead to Romans, back to Romans 8, 28, we, we, we know this truth. We camp on this one, that God works how many things? All things out for the good for those of us who love him, right? We know that verse, but here's one we skip over far too often. It's verse 32. 
when we think about God's love. That he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I'm going to think about that for a minute. This is a, this is a game changer for every believer. God only works out all things for our good, but he also graciously gives us all things. In his sovereign love, he provides for us all things that we, not that we want, that we need to accomplish his purposes in and through our lives. Now, that means as believers that we will never go without I don't want you, when I pack for a trip, often I forget something. I'm like, I wish I had. Or my wife will pack for me. But you didn't pack. Get this. Because God loves you, he packs everything you'll ever need for the journey of life that you'll never go without something that you need. Oh, man, if we could grab, grab a hold of this in our hearts, hey, wouldn't it be a different life? When we have a different perspective, let me unpack this for you. It's one verse, so two points, but as you know, the points are going to be a little longer than, than they have been in the past. But don't get stressed when I'm 15 minutes still my first point. I'm going to give you all the biblical basis for this up front and the application at the end. It's kind of a different message to wrap this up, but uh, I believe it's going to be uh, one important one that we can grab a hold of. Number one, I want you to write in your notes is simply this. As we unpack verse 32, my God is a giving God. My God is an ever-giving God. Think about these words alone. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. We say it all the time, but, 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 but think of the immensity of that. This is, this is God. This is the invisible and invincible ruler of all things, the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. He loves you enough to give you his son. There's something unique about a father-son relationship that, that you can't really explain. And, and this, is, this, is a, this is an eternal one, a divine father-son. This is like the, 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 the perfect, the ultimate father-son. This isn't just any son. This is, this is the, the son of the living God. He is, he is so precious to the father. He is uh, priceless. He is pristine. He's unparalleled. Jesus is in the category all by himself. No one has ever come before that was like, uh, that was in, before Jesus came, no one ever came before him that was like him. No one's ever come since him that is like him. God and Jesus were, were in heaven with a perfect, unified relationship. And yet he chose to not spare his own son, but to give him up for us all. Think about this. What's the most precious thing in the world to God? It's the Son and the Spirit, right? The Trinity. And he loved us enough to not spare his own son. Think about how you treat the most precious thing in the world to you. What do you generally do? You hoard it, right? You, you keep track of it. You keep it close. Think most of us, the most precious thing in the world to us is our families, our wives and our husbands and our dads and our moms and our kids. And, and what do we do with our families? We hold them tight. We, especially our kids, don't, don't we? 
They don't leave the house without us watching them and, and looking out the window to make sure they're safe. And, and, and here's, what, here's what God did. He loves us enough that he opened up heaven's door and said, Son, knowing that his son was going to step out those doors and be killed for our sin. Think of the immensity of that. But there is no other way. That's, that's, that's the good news of the gospel. There's no other way. We are sinners. We have all been born into sin. We all make choices to sin. The very disposition, disposition of our hearts is to sin. And the only, the only solution to that sin is, to, is the sacrifice of some, someone pure and perfect Old Testament, right? The, the blood of a perfect spotless animal. New te- pointing to the New Testament, the blood of a perfect spotless divine son. It's only in the blood of the Son can we have forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with the Father. And, and so, can you imagine if this is your choice? And do I hoard what's most precious to me? Or do I look at the predicament of the world and see that, man, they are, they're doomed without the blood of my Son? They're doomed. As much as this not sparing His Son... I'm sure emotionally killed the Lord and physically killed God and physically killed Jesus. God did it. Why? Because if he didn't do it, we'd be eternally killed. That's how much God loves you. It wasn't, it wasn't like, a, oh, well, God's up in heaven going, well, that's too bad for them. Man, they're in a real predicament here. They're, 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 they're doomed, but I'm so busy running the world. I mean, I'll shed a little tear and keep on going. No, that wasn't how God responded. He didn't second guess. He didn't think of another way. This was his only way. It just shows you the nature of our God. He's a giving God. Somehow I think we get to the act without seeing the character behind the act. Let me read it again. He who did not spare his own son. Think of the character behind somebody who doesn't spare their own son, but gave him up for us all. Even for those who would one day reject, he knew. But he still chose to give him up. Man, if this was today, this would be on the front page of like all the internet news sites, be on the front page of USA Today. Those are the good news story on the front pages, right? And every day there's something that somebody did that was good and generous and, and, and we celebrate that, we highlight that, but there's nothing that compares to this. Even a couple of years ago, I was reading through a, a sports uh, TSN or ESPN, one of those, and, and on the front page was a, uh, an Atlanta Thrashers fan from way back when who, who actually on a fan forum came across somebody else who needed a kidney and realized that they were the same match and a perfect stranger gave another stranger a kidney because of the unity of the Atlanta Thrashers. And you're like, that's just ridiculous. And it was celebrated like, who would do that? What an amazing person to give their kidney to a stranger. This is, this is like taking the kidney thing to the next level. Like sacrifice their son for us. This is the giving nature of our God. You have to understand this about your God before we go any further. You have to understand this about your God. If you're a believer today, this is the character of your God. I think we as Christians, we can say this. God is good. We know God is good. But in our heads, there's a disconnect. We throw this little word at the end of God is good. God is good, but. 
So we walk through our lives fully missing out the full reality of how good God is. And sometimes I think we relate to God as believers, not as a, a giving God, but as a distracted father. I know he's present in my life, but he's so busy running this world that, and consumed with other things that, that is he really going to give me the care and the attention, the time that I so desperately need? Is that, is that the kind of God? That's not the kind of God we have. Sometimes we treat God as a well-wishing father. So we've grown up and we're now out of the house and God loves us and he means well, but you know, you call him and like, God, Dad, I'm in need. He's like, well, good luck with that, son. Love you. Sometimes we think of God as a helpless father. Have the picture in our minds of God. And yes, he cares. We know that. And you have this picture almost like God is like the, the helpless dad beside the bed of his sick kid and tears streaming and heart pounding. But there's really nothing he can do about our circumstances and situations. But, but none of those truly reflect the reality of who God is. Even in this one little phrase, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. God is the perfect father. Do you know that today? God is your perfect father. You can put your name in that. God is my perfect father. Say that for a second. God is my perfect father. God, help us know that he is ever present. He's always close. He's deeply caring. And get this, he's constantly providing for his kids everything they need at just the right time, in just the right way. God holds nothing back from his children. Ever. Here's the reality of God's character. He's a giver, not a taker. I know God wants my life and he wants my service and he wants my money. That's, that, yes, as a response of worship to him. But ultimately, we do that because of why? Because of what God's already given us in Jesus. God's a giver, not a taker. He's uninhibited and, and unbelievable as giving, giving to the undeserving. James chapter 1 tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Everything you have in your life comes from God. Even the good that unbelievers have, it's God's common grace on them. Where did that come from? It comes from a God of common grace. Anything good comes from the same place. It comes from God. He's a giver, not a taker. He's also generous, not stingy. God's not like us. Well, I know you have a need, but let me check my bank account. I've got to take care of me first. And if I have any left over, maybe I'll give to... No, that's not, that's not God. God is... He doesn't hold back. He's so generous in his resources. He's concerned about his children. So much so that he gave us his son. And with his son comes all things at his disposal. When God adopts us as his children, when God adopts us as his children, it's much the same as when we adopt, many families in our church have adopted, when you adopt somebody as your child, you're basically saying like, hey, hey, you're coming in, I'm going to care for you, I'm going to watch over your life, I'm going to give you everything you need, everything I have of mine is now yours. That's the image of adoption that God wants us to have as we think about him. God's adopted us and he promises to give us everything we need. He will never let us down. Point number two in your notes is this. 
Second point and last point, to be honest, there's going to be a couple sub-points in this one. God promises to provide me with everything I need. God's not just generous in giving, but he promises to provide me with everything that I need. You know what that means? That means everything that I need, I already have. And everything I have, I need. And he steward it for the glory of God. This is how much God loves you. He promises to provide for you everything I need. Let me walk you through the whole Bible quickly in a quick Old Testament, New Testament understanding of this. You don't think I'm making it up and making something say out of the text that it's not supposed to say. Here's how God has always, from the beginning of choosing Israel as his very own, interacted with his people. Why did God choose Israel for a covenant relationship to set them apart and that the world might see his glory? Exodus verses, chapter 6, verse 7 says this, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And that the world might know, that, that you would know, not just like, yeah, he's my God, but he, that you would know in tangible, practical ways that he's your God, and that the rest of the world will step back and be like, wow, what's, what's going on with these people? Well, it must be the God that they proclaim is truly their God. That's why God called out the Israelites to show his glory to the people around them. That the world might see the truth of God, his people and all those around Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. You can write these verses. I'm going to spew a lot of verses right now just to help you get a proper, proper biblical understanding of this. Psalm 84 says this, verses 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he, re, does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And so Israel, from, from the very first time God said, Israel, you're going to be mine, he gave them, he didn't withhold anything good from them that they needed to accomplish his purposes, even, get this, even in the wilderness. I know some of you guys are thinking, well, of course, the, you know, they had everything they had. They walked in the wilderness. For how many years did they walk in the wilderness again? How many years? Forty years. You're telling me that God provided for them the 40 years in the wilderness? You, I think sometimes we think wilderness, God doesn't provide. Times of blessing, God is providing. Get this. God provided for his people all the way through, even the 40 years in the wilderness. It's a long time, 40 years. It's a lifetime for me. Like, I've just been out of the wilderness for a couple years now. Is God really blessing? Is God really for me? 40 years. Yes, we think of this often in physical terms, but I think there's something deeper that God wants us to see before the physical terms, that, that God provided for them all things that they needed for even the journey through the wilderness. Exodus chapter 14 Verse 14, God provided for them his presence. He says, I will fight for you. He provided for them courage to keep going. He provided for them strength in the battle and peace in the war. Clear minds and to see properly. God's provision prevailed spiritually in every sense of the journey. And yet God also provided for them physically. We know the story quite well. Exodus 16 and 17. People were starving, right? 40 years, like there's no convenience stores out there. There's no McDonald's to drive through. Where do you get your food from? Came Exodus 16, they're grumbling. They're God, like, God, you bring us out here just to die. Like, where's the food? What did God do? He provided for the manna. Remember the story? You guys are looking at it. Remember the story? 
provided manna from heaven, like, like, like food fell from heaven, this, this wafery kind of substance, kind of like a saltine cracker, but with honey on it. Probably tasted like a Krispy Kreme, but nutritious. Isn't that amazing? God provided for them bread from heaven. And so every day, they like, pick up enough bread, enough manna that it'll feed your family. Don't stay any leftovers. It's going to go bad overnight. I'm going to give you everything you need for today. And the day before the Sabbath, take double, and I'll provide for you for the next day too. Everything they needed for every day. I know you and I would be thinking, well, it's the same meal. That's kind of like bread. Like that, that's God's provision. Bread was God's provision. A tasty bread. That sustained them and gave them all the nutrients they needed. And then, then we, we see that story. And then you know what the Israelites did? They went on in Exodus 17, the very next chapter, after like bread fell from heaven, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> they get out and they're like, but we're thirsty now. We're thirsty. You know, where's the, remember, remember the whole thing? God's like, Moses is going to slap the rock and the rock's going to gush water and, and water gush. And they had, they had bread and water as much as they could ever need. Bread and water. Sounds like jail meal, doesn't it? <laughs> Bread and water. That's not providing. We think North American way too much when we read the Bible. We think opulence of today, and I want a different meal every day, and, and if I have the same meal twice in a row, then God's not providing for me. No, this is what God provided for what they needed, not what they wanted. Just like a parent provides what our kids need, not what they want. So God provides for our every need. It goes beyond that. Though Deuteronomy 29 verse 5 reminds us that it wasn't just the, the, the food that God provided for them. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, it says in this passage. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn off your feet. Nehemiah 9.21 adds to that. that and your, their feet didn't even swell in the wilderness. Are you kidding me? I take a hike into Q Falls and my feet are swelling. Here, this is God's provision for his people. Their sandals, this is amazing to me, their sandals lasted for 40 years. That's God's provision. My son, I think he wants to walk like a Neanderthal because his shoes last for three months. Like, what do you drag your feet everywhere you go? 40 years. Clothes didn't wear out. And you're like, well, that's not God providing. I, everyone else is getting new shirts. Why am I not getting new shirts? God provided for them. Their feet didn't even swell. No doctors, no chiropractors, none, none, none of the, the modern medicine. And, and God provided their health all along the way. God provides for his people because he's a giving and a generous and a caring God. You have to understand this as you understand God's love for, for not just the Israelites, but for you. Take a quick stroll into the New Testament. New Testament, Matthew 6 tells us that God cares about the flowers and the birds. And surely if he cares about the flowers and the birds, God's going to care for you and provide for you. 1 Timothy 6, 17, write this one down. God tells us this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or proud or arrogant, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but, of on, but, but set their hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Like New Testament seems to take it from another level to like things that we need to things that we can even enjoy. It comes from God. 
The most famous passages on God's provisions comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13 and verse 19. Write this one down. Philippians 4, 10 to 13 and verse 19. Paul saying this to the Philippian church, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned, get this, in whatever situation I am to be content. God provides for us what we need. Sometimes it's contentment we need. We don't need anything else. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in every, in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of mine according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Does it mean that we're going to have everything we want? It means we have everything we need. And even the times where we don't have what we think we need, you know, God gives us. He gives us enough to sustain us. And he gives us contentment, the greater gift than having all the material resources of this world. Rich or poor, I can be content because God provides for me. This isn't a health, wealth, prosperity, gospel thing at all. This is biblical God will provide for us. Yes, we have to be wise with our money. Yes, we have to, we have to discern between wants and needs, but everything we need, God will give us. And God just doesn't give us what we need physically. James chapter 1 says he gives wisdom to all generously without finding fault to all who ask and believe. And he says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, this is the greater things God gives us. God gives us every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Here's what else God gives us. Hebrews chapter 13, 21. He equips us with everything good. Get this. He equips us with everything good that we may do his will. And he works in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We have to think of this God provides just in the physical realm. That's North American for sure. Like God says all things. And some of the all things he gives us good things to put to use for his kingdom and for the body of Christ. Listen to this verse, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power has granted to us, here's the words again, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Well, the New Testament, here's the truth. God is generous and he's a giver and he provides for his own. Every single time. At just the right time when we need the provisions he has for us. Why do we not see this in our lives? Why do we not see this in our lives? I believe because we're living by a wrong understanding of a God who provides and we're living by our North American understanding of like, well, if God's going to provide for me, then I'm going to be a middle class person with all that. That's not it. We've got to somehow retrain our brains to, to recognize what we need is so different than what we want. I've said it three or four times, but this is our big struggle as believers. This is where we get to the point of like, huh, God doesn't love me after all. I don't have fill in the blank. Actually, he does love you after all. And if you don't have it, you don't need it at all. 
God gives us exactly what we need at just the right time to accomplish his purposes. Sort of the way we interact with our kids. Sort of the way we interact with our kids. Our son, like if you put all the food on his plate at once, it ends up everywhere but his mouth. The youngest. Nick, not Zach, just to clarify. <laughs> and so what do we do? We put a little bit on his plate at a time to get that little piece into the mouth. Then we get the next piece on the plate so we don't end up with... We give him what he needs to sustain him for what he needs it. And Maya, she, she, you give her stuff before she needs it. It's lost. It's just lost. Took her to the Ice Dogs game a week and a bit ago and, and for, the, for the autism night. And I thought it was a great night to go. I was given tickets, perfect, for, for, to go with Maya. And so she's like, can I hold the tickets, Pops? Can I hold the tickets, Pops? Can I hold the tickets? Like incessantly the whole way. I kept saying, no, 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 no. If you ask me one more time, I'm going to snap. Can I? <laughs> we got to the gate. What did I do? Gave her the ticket for what she needed, for when she needed it to get in the door to put it back in my pocket so she could have it at home. I had this discussion with my son, my oldest son, all the time. He seems to have a lot of needs these days. He's a teenager now, and he needs everything. And you don't think you're special needs, son. You've got a lot of needs. <laughs> I keep saying, Zach, let's, let's, let's stop. Is this, is this a want or desire or a need? And the first thing is, it's a need. With a big little smile, you know, he knows where it's going. He gets so frustrated with me. No, that's, that's, that's definitely not a need. That's a want. My job as your dad, son, is to look after everything you need. And sometimes bless you with some of the things that you want because I love you. But I'm not obligated to give you everything you want. That's entitlement that comes from this world. And that is not me. That's not our God. I love you more than that because I've seen what happens when kids get everything they need and it's nothing good. I think God loves us with the same way I love each of my kids. He puts on our plates what we need so we don't make a mess and get it all over the place. He, he gives us what we need when we need it to accomplish his purposes. He gives us not more than we need because what happens then is we get this entitlement and we start, we, we, we forget, we get, we get loose with our funds and we, we start spending it on indulging on ourselves and, and God wants us to stay in this place where we are urgently, urgently seeking after him. And he does this not just with our finances but with all things. Everything you need, you have in Christ Jesus. John Piper says this. The most far-reaching promise of God's future grace is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. This is the most precious verse in the Bible to me. Part of the reason is that the promise in it is so all-encompassing is that it stands ready to help me at virtually every turn of my life and ministry. There has never been and never will be a circumstance in my life where this promise is irrelevant. What a freeing truth. How many times do I go through life? Do you go through life just saying, well, if only I had an emotional resource, a way of thinking about things, a provision of God. And reality is we do have everything we need in Jesus Christ. Prayer cards are a, daily remind, a weekly reminder of this for me. I love how you guys write on the back of your prayer cards answers to prayer. 
I love how they keep doing that. That inspires my faith to remind us that we have everything we need. And every week I'm reading the back of prayer cards. Guess what? I prayed for the last three months and God gave me courage this week. Or, or God is helping me to forgive that person that needs to be forgiven that I haven't been able to before. Or, or God has provided my, my, my physical need that I, I've been praying for. God has finally, after a year, given me a job. Like I'm seeing every week answers to prayer that God is giving us all that we need in, in every area of life. I studied my counseling degree a number of years ago. We learned that there's five main elements to our lives. There's the spiritual realm. There's a physical realm. There's the mental realm. There's the emotional realm. There's a social realm. And I realized that this promise, this is why it's so free, this promise applies to every realm. Everything. Can I read it again? Verse 32. You have it memorized by the time this sermon is done, and that's not a bad thing. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. That doesn't already blow your mind. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially? How will he not give us all things? How will he not give us all things? So here's where the application comes in at the end of the sermon. Think about how this one verse will revolutionize your life if you can truly grab a hold of it and God can help you truly understand it in a proper, healthy, biblical way. This means, this means spiritually you have absolutely everything you need right now. And as believers, we can't go on, we we don't have to walk through life going like, God, I wish I had, Uh, God, I can't, but if only I had, I can't. No, we can, as it says in Philippians, do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even living with not lots, we can do it and have joy in our hearts and a bounce in our step because Christ gives us that spiritually. God gives us, get this, courage to say yes to him and no to the devil every time. I can't, I can't fight that sin. Yes, you can. God gives you all things. All things. It's one of the all things. I just need more wisdom to be a parent and I just wish I had wisdom. You, You have all the wisdom you need to parent your children through this dark world. Because God has promised to give it to you. I just wish I had wisdom to be a good, a good child. You have all the wisdom you need to be a good child for your parents. Because God has given it to you. All things. I wish I had the strength to love like Jesus loves. Ding, 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 ding. It's part of the all things. I wish I had the fearlessness to share Jesus Christ. You have all things. I wish I had the wherewithal to rise up and face temptation and trial with perseverance and not quit. You have all things. Brothers and sisters, you have all things. I wish I could live in humble gratitude and blessings and favor. God has given you that when you ask. You ask for these things in faith that God won't refuse you the things that he's said he's he's given you that in his word to live out. I wish I just had had the gifting to make a difference in this world for God's glory. You have all things God has given you. If you're a believer here, you have a spiritual gift to put into practice to make a difference in this world. 
You even have the confidence as God's child to be yourself and live for Jesus every single day. God has spiritually given you everything you need. What are you living for in your life right now? You're like, man, I just don't have spiritually in the Lord. You have it in Jesus Christ. I can't get rid of this negative attitude. You can in Jesus Christ. I wish I had joy. He's given you all things in Jesus Christ. I wish you could just accept myself for who I am. God has given you even that ability in Jesus Christ. Spiritually, you have everything you could ever... Again, mind-blowing, game-changing reality today. God loves me enough to give me everything I need to accomplish His purposes in this life. Spiritually. What about mentally? How many times do we walk through life going, I can't cope? I just, I just can't cope. My mind is on overload. Leave me alone with my thoughts. I'm going to go nuts. I just can't seem to do it. You know what God promises? He promises he'll give us peace and, and even control over our own minds in every circumstance. I just wish I, I, I had enough capacity to make that decision and, and, and to whatever it is for you. You, know, you don't have to walk around in a mental fog. God has given you everything you need when you come to him and humble yourself. So God, I need you to make my mind see clearly and think properly. What about Emotionally. God has given us all things emotionally as well. Patience to handle the most stressful seasons of life. If you noticed in that Romans 8 passage, there's some pretty hard things in there that emotionally, like, oh, I couldn't handle that. I couldn't handle that tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. There's a reason why that came after the promise in 832. Because God's good provisions for us sometimes don't mean we're going to escape those things. It means emotionally we can handle those things with God's grace and God's strength. We can emotionally love the people that are hard to love, even maybe if it's a kid in your house. And it's your kid, and you can't understand why you can't love your kid the way you're supposed to love your kid. God will give you the grace to emotionally handle your kid. God will give you the grace. To trust him in times of anxiety and stress. God gives you everything emotionally that you need. Socially. Even socially, God gives you everything you need. I just need a bigger friend circle. I just, God gives you everything you need. Even those seasons where you don't seem to have any friends. You know what God reminds you in that season? That he is the friend that you need more than any other friend. He is the friend that satisfies your soul. God even, God even, socially promises to provide us all things that we need. I don't have everything I need. I need more. I need, a be- I need, I need more. I need better friends. I need greater friends. We went through a season in our son's life, our oldest son, where, man, he needed a friend, like a real friend, like a Christian friend in his school. And, man, we agonized over it. We prayed over it. And, and wouldn't, lo and behold, last year, Zach made a great Christian friend in his school that he spends most time with than, than any other kid in school. And I remind him daily, that, that is an answer to prayer. That we prayed with you for three years that God would give you a good Christian friend in your school. God gives us all things, and that even applies to and the physical things. The physical things that God promises to give us that we need. God will absolutely give you everything you need to thrive in this life until your last breath. 
He provides us with doctors. In the times of sickness, he provides us with strength from who knows where. I know we don't know where it comes from. It comes from God. When all those bad diagnoses come back and we're like, well, God's not providing. God's not. He is providing all the internal resources you need to sustain yourself in that time. And God might even provide for you healing. But if he doesn't provide for you healing on earth, he's ultimately going to provide for you heavenly healing that you'll never be sick again one day. Because he provides. We get this so mixed up in North America. We think easy means God's provision. That's not it. That's not it. You know, the greatest thing God provides, he provides his presence. That's the greatest provision he's given us. He provides us undying love. He helps us even in physical times of illness stay positive when everything looks so hopeless. He helps us ultimately see our hope of heaven instead of this temporal hope. Maybe we'll get better for a few more years here on earth. He helps us see heaven. This is God giving you all things. God even financially promises to provide for us all things. All things. Not in abundance. That we can live in lavish luxury. Maybe he doesn't give us some of the things we want because he knows we just spend it on ourselves. He gives us all things that we need and sometimes he blesses us with more that we can be a blessing to others. But if we're going to selfishly, wantonously waste it on ourselves, maybe that's why we're not seeing God do more in this area. Everything we need, we have. Maybe doesn't give us designer clothes or gourmet meals. But I think we need to stop in our society looking for more and be thankful for what we have. Gratitude goes so far. I wonder how God takes it when we, he's given us so much, even in finances, in our culture, we're in the top 97% of wealthy in the world. And we look at him and say, I want more. I grumble and complain. I wonder how God thinks of that. Instead of just saying, God, thank you for letting me be born in Canada. Why was I born in Canada? I have no clue. I was bitter growing up because my dad was a poor pastor. Oh my goodness, did I have a lot growing up. So I got made fun of my clothes for a little bit. I had clothes on, thank the Lord. Even the powdered milk I complained about, it somehow nourished me enough to get me to five, seven and a half. Thank the Lord. <laughs> All good things come from God. Even, even jobs. Our jobs... Our jobs are a provision for us from God. It doesn't mean that we're going to climb the corporate ladder. We're going to make the Fortune 500 club. It doesn't mean that we're going to, we're going to be the CEO of whatever company you want to be CEO, e, CEO of. It, it means that God has provided us our jobs, that we would care for ourselves and care for our families and even give to his kingdom. Where God guides, he provides Where God guides, he provides. Because why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. We're trying to figure out how to capture in seven weeks the love of God. I've done some broad categories for you trying to just get you started on just giving you a tip of the iceberg on how deep God's love is for you. And and, and I couldn't think of a better way to end this than to remind you that God's love will give you from this day forward everything you need for your life, for his glory. But I encourage you to don't stop this study now. 
because the Bible is full of life-changing truths that reinforce these and broaden your perspective on God's love. And so you spend your life doing anything. Don't study the sports page or the, or the stock market. Study the word of God and ask God, God, help me grow in my understanding of how much you love me. This is the, this is the, this is the eternal game-changer for believers. This is it. This is our hope. This is our confidence. This is our courage. We have a God who loves us. Life-defining, death-defying, eternal love of God that no one can ever take away from us in this life. If you don't know this love of Jesus this morning, you know it, but you've never experienced it. May today be the day. Just, it, it, this is a time to say, man, all these seven weeks of God's love, like how come I don't experience that? Maybe it's because you have this wall of sin still between you and God. You've never repented of your sins. You want Jesus to come and, and you want to enhance your life, but you have never repented of your sins, asked forgiveness, asked God to change your heart, the very disposition of your soul, that you would now live for him and not yourself. Today's a great day to do that. I, I would love for you today to, to not just know this love, but to experience this love of Jesus. If you know today that you haven't experienced that, let today be the day. If you're here today, it's been a long time. Since you've really experienced the love of Jesus, I, I, I am simply praying that God would renew you through this series in the love of Christ. Man, there's nothing more joyful in our lives than to know the love of Jesus. It's not about coming to church on Sunday. It's not, it's not about just reading the Bible to get some head knowledge. It's not even about serving to, to try and ha, ha, have everyone think you, you're a good person. It, it's about knowing and experiencing the extravagant love of God. That's what puts a spring in our step and a joy in our soul. This is where it starts. Like Revelation says, if you've lost your first love, like just come back to the first love. You don't know where to go. Come back to here and just remind yourself daily that God loves you enough to send his son Jesus for you. If you get this and you're living it and you're trying to understand this and live this out, I pray that just, just this sparks a little fire in you. That man, I, if there's anything I want to know in this life, it's more of the love of God. It's more of the love of God. Can't get enough. We'll never outgrow it, get bored of it, get stale of it. This is the truth that we now live for as believers. Let me pray. God, we're desperate this morning to know the love of our Father in a real, life-changing, tangible way. Father, I pray that you'd allow every heart here, every soul, no matter what stage of the journey they're on, we're on, that you would just help us, Lord, be once again inspired and filled with the love of God. Lord, did you protect us from head knowledge? Even in this church, from head knowledge? Instead, Lord, give us heart knowledge. in a way that makes us want you more than anything else. In a way that makes us desire to live our lives for you and you alone. In a way that gives us hope and courage and confidence as we live this life. Protect us, Lord, from hearing all these sermons and moving on. There's nothing greater than this. There's no new revelation that's going to trump this one and help us to simply abide in your love. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, which first loved us in Jesus' name. Amen.